Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So let's do my reading from yesterday, Genesis 3, 8 to 11. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Lord, bless the reading of your word as we just delve down today into a message for all of us. So in this uh, little this little excerpt out of the book of beginnings, Adam and Eve had just taken of the forbidden fruit, which God had clearly laid out the ground rules that they were not to take of this particular tree. And these four verses that I've just read, they speak directly into most of our lives, uh, actually all of our lives, if we're honest, because we've all experienced emotions that come with failure, falling short. Remember, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Feelings of unworthiness, vulnerability, shame, guilt, and fear. That's a handful right there. And shame and vulnerability are two of the most, they're two of the most um, fundamental human emotions. You know, when Adam and Eve ate of that forbidden fruit, they were overwhelmed by feelings of shame, vulnerability, and fear. And this manifested in their attempt to hide from the presence of the Lord. And shame and vulnerability is what I want to talk about today because as we want to build strong disciples of Jesus, we only need to look into the Gospels to see how they experience these emotions themselves and how Christ brought them through and made them into the pillars of the New Testament church. And I've often said to people, it's not your physical strength that's your greatest ability. It's your emotional IQ. It's been able to come up under the pressure and the load wearing you know the weight the load bearing weight of what we go through in life and as we build a strong emotional tank we were able to process what's going on around about us we we're able to become vulnerable and we we're able to combat feelings like shame and when we we're able to do this we become people that that others are attracted to that people look at us as pillars and they, and they want to know how we get through the stuff that we get through. And this is, this is God's training ground for us as we make disciples who make disciples. And, you know, shame is often described as a feeling of being exposed, humiliated, unworthy. While vulnerability is also a feeling of exposed, being exposed, but also unprotected and powerless. And both these emotions, look, they can be uncomfortable and difficult to manage. I remember my first experience I had with shame. And we also got to understand that a lot of these emotions 
Many of us experience these in our growing up years, in those formative years as children and teenagers. And they have the ability to actually shape the course of our lives until we're able to untangle them and get a handle on how to cope with them. And I can remember, most of you may not believe this, but as a young boy, um, I had a younger brother. We were one year apart and uh, we, we were bright redheads. We had ginger hair and we had a full face of freckles and arms of freckles and legs of freckles. And so I realized pretty soon after going to the first few days of primary school that I looked quite different to what I considered normal people. And it wasn't long before people started making fun of the way I looked because I was different. And this made me feel so uncomfortable. I hated that feeling of vulnerability. I hated that feeling of being uh, made out to be um, someone that was different from the rest. So as I got older, to protect myself, I built walls of hostility that turned into violence as I grew older. And this was my self-protection mechanism. Others would be just to curl up in a ball in the corner or others would be to withdraw from society. But I, my, my way of coping was to go on attack. And I went on attack to avoid these feelings of vulnerability and humiliation. So not only was I experiencing the shame of being made fun of, but also feeling ashamed and from very early on wishing I could look more like other people looked. And you know, because feelings of vulnerability make us feel exposed, just like they did here with Adam and Eve, it often reduces our lives to doing exactly what they did. We hide away and we build coping mechanisms to avoid these type of emotions. And we do it sometimes at all costs because we hate vulnerability. You know, nobody likes to feel naked and exposed. Well, actually, there are some organizations out there that might differ on that opinion. But here's the problem. Adam and Eve's reaction to feeling naked and exposed, it caused them to hide from the, the only one who actually had the solutions for their problem. A loving God, a God of grace, a God of solutions to the problems that they were experiencing. And when, we, when we're in our hiding places, it takes us out of the arena of living an abundant life that Jesus promised. This is what Jesus said. John 10.10, 10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's your enemy. That's the, that's the devil and his minions. But I have come that you might have life and live it abundantly. So the thief was winning in Adam and Eve's experience at this point in time. They were actually being robbed of a life being lived to the full because of these crippling emotions. And that's what we've got to get a handle on. And I'm, that's where we're heading today. Fear and shame were robbing Adam and Eve of living a life of wholeheartedness. And whole, what does a life of wholeheartedness look like? It's, it's the kind where our negative emotions are not taking us hostage anymore. That's what wholehearted, it means we're able to live full on, we're able to embrace everything that life throws at us. We're able to move ahead. We're able to move forward step by step, inch by inch. It's a cinch, somebody once said. 
And it's, it's the kind of life when we're living wholeheartedly where our emotional life is not crippling us and we're not hiding away, uh, deploying coping mechanisms because we've learned how to overcome these negative emotions. How can we begin to take emotional risks and how can we begin to experience vulnerability rather than run from it? And this might be a new concept to, to some of us this morning. You mean I'm supposed to embrace vulnerability? Well, as you're going to see, society has a very different view of vulnerability than what God does and what the scriptures do. And so if we keep running from it, we can't fulfill our God-given destiny. That's why a lot of Christians don't take risks, because risks, which is also sometimes called faith, uh, is, is, uh, it involves feelings of vulnerability. Amen? And the, the issue that we have as we're growing up is that society often sees vulnerability as a sign of weakness. And so one of our key obstacles is overcoming this perspective of vulnerability. They've got mottos like, suck it up, be a soldier. Or for young males, be a man, a real man. And so what do they do? They suppress and they push down uh, and, and they avoid vulnerability at all costs. Or, or, you know, the classic, don't be such a sook. And, you know, so rather than respecting others who are willing to show the courage and daring behind being vulnerable, we let fear, discomfort and watching others become vulnerable. And, and instead, this is what we do. We judge and we criticize. And this is what happens when we see emotions as liabilities. You know, here's some examples of what vulnerability is. Starting your own business. You have to be real vulnerable. What if it doesn't work? What if I, nobody wants to, you know, engage with me? Getting promoted in your job and not knowing if you're going to succeed at that next level of promotion. Trying something you've never done before. You're always going to have to embrace vulnerability. Maybe it's waiting for a biopsy to come back from a medical test. Sharing an unpopular opinion with others that you know that they're not going to embrace, but you feel convinced and convicted about what you need to share. Saying no when everybody around you wants you to say yes. Admitting sometimes that you have fear, that you are afraid. You know, does this seem like weakness too? It looks, it looks like, it doesn't look like weakness to me. It looks like courage to embrace the uncertainty that is in front of all of us. So how does vulnerability feel? Someone once said this, it's where courage and fear meet. I like that definition. Vulnerability is where courage and fear meet. And someone else said it feels like letting go of having to control everything around me. And the crux of the issue is, for all of us, we want to experience vulnerability, but we don't want to be vulnerable. Amen. We want to experience vulnerability, but we don't want to be vulnerable. And um, a, a, a shame researcher by the name of Brené Brown, who's got a lot of good content, she said this, we're drawn to others' vulnerability, but we're repelled by our own. And that's been my experience. I, when I see someone being vulnerable and I see them opening up their lives, um, I, it's attractive, but I don't want to do it myself. I, don't, I, don't, I, I want to push away those feelings of vulnerability. And, you know, Brene Brown, went on, she went on to say, 
Um, nothing has transformed my life more than realizing it's a waste of time to evaluate my worthiness by weighing the reaction of the people who are sitting in the stands. The people who love me and the people who will be there for me, regardless of the outcome, they're right within arm's reach. And that's the realization that changed everything for her. You know, shame. So we move on to shame this morning because we're going to discuss some of this stuff in our breakout rooms. It should be a pretty juicy discussion this morning if we can be honest with one another. But shame caused Adam and Eve to not turn up to their daily appointment with God in the call of the day in the Garden of Eden. And shame will rob us from being able to fully connect to the love of God. And that's the great tragedy about not, not being able to break shame off our lives because it's absolutely possible to do it. But if we allow shame to continue to cloak us, it will rob us from that full connection that God has for us. So what is what is shame? Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Now, I want to tell you that was an absolute down pat definition for my life pre-Christ. I believed that I was unworthy of love, that I had no sense of belonging, and that in me there were a lot of flaws. And for me, that, that meant that shame said I was a bad person. And often not being good at vulnerability means we're very good at shame. And that's something that we've got to come to grips with. So how do we, how do we help ourselves with shame? Well, shame, we, shame has a resilience uh, that we can develop. And as we develop a resilience to shame, uh, we learn how to embrace vulnerability. And we can't let ourselves be seen if we are terrified of what people might think. And that's what shame will do for us. And, and shame derives its power from being unspeakable. That's why it loves perfectionists. Shame loves perfectionists because it just keeps them quiet because they don't feel that they can share because that would lower their, their own standard of perfection. And so the great thing is, is that our power as believers uh, is using our spiritual authority that Jesus has given to us to name shame when we see it around our lives, to speak to it and cut it off at its, at its knees in the name of Jesus before it grips us, you know. So developing resilience is the ability to say, yes, this hurts. This is disappointing. Sometimes it may even be devastating, but but. I am not going to allow shame to hold me captive. Move on in Jesus' name. And so what is, what is the goal? What is the aim of shame? The aim of shame, when shame gets a foothold in our lives, this is its goal. It's to disconnect us from other people. And, and it's to build a fear of disconnection. So this is what happens is if we feel shame about something, then we start distancing ourselves because we are afraid that they may find out what's going on in our lives. And so we walk with this whole fear that people will no longer love me if they actually see what's going on in our lives. And the problem that we have is that we're all hardwired for connection. We're all hardwired to, be, to love and to be loved and to belong. So shame, shame tells us it says this, it tries to disconnect us from our purpose and our meaning in life. 
and it tells us if you you have done wrong shame says you've done wrong you've failed you have missed the mark and you're not worthy to be around these people so it will it will its goal will be to disconnect you from other people to isolate you and you know people often think that you know shame is something that's only a category for serial killers you know it's not it's very regular it's very real and we see it in common areas in all of our lives our appearance our body image money work parenting you know there's so many people that just hate themselves because they think they're the worst mum and the worst dad in the world and shame just binds them and holds them into that belief there's areas of mental and physical health addictions the whole area of sex and shame getting old some people really feel shamed about growing old we've got to get we've got to get comfortable with that as the years go by you know maybe it's surviving trauma and here's some of the examples that you you might have heard or come across you know uh, i have actually done this once asking someone when are you due and they're not pregnant that's that's shameful <laughs> being made bankrupt my dad was a farmer nearly all of his life and uh, the bank took the farm took our inheritance and he was bankrupted for three years i want to tell you my dad went through deep shame over that none of his friends could help him out people he'd found within the district for years and years and he went under a cloak of deep shame until praise god through a divine encounter with jesus he found the lord and the last few years of his life as that shame cloak of shame came off his life it was just amazing um, you know maybe you've been shamed by your boss calling you an idiot in front of a in front of the client or you know a common one these days is a spouse leaving uh, the marriage for a next-door neighbor internet porn there's a lot of shame there's a whole generation that is just under a cloak of shame with internet porn or flunking exams having to sit exams two three four times I know one girl that sat her driver's license seven times before she finally passed and she just she get into a nervous wreck before she went and she was so ashamed of the fact that she kept flunking her driving exam so the list goes on and on and on so how can we untangle ourselves from the poisonous effects of shame how we experience these emotions it comes down to our self-talk it's the we used to say it's the the tape that you play in your head but it's not a tape anymore it's the audio file that you're playing in your head so how do we talk to ourselves about what is happening and to untangle the effects of shame we must understand today the difference between shame and guilt and hopefully this will help you uh, this morning you know the difference between shame and guilt is best understood as the difference between I am bad and I did something bad so this is what guilt 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 will tell you I did something bad but shame will tell you you're a bad person for example let's just say that I made an appointment to go and have lunch with Richard Brunton 12 15 and then Richard calls me from the restaurant to make sure I'm okay or am I on my way and my self-talk at that point it could be one of two things I'm such an idiot I'm a terrible friend I'm a total loser now that's shame speaking but on the other hand if my self-talk is I can't believe I did that 
what a dumb thing to do. That's guilt. And the thing about guilt is, is that guilt is just as powerful as shame, but often guilt's influence is positive because it actually redirects us to do something about the emotion that we're experiencing. Whereas shame is destructive at its core, saying that you're absolutely a bad person and you can't do anything about it. And it just corrodes the very inward parts of our life. And so overcoming shame, um, is, it's a great thing how we can overcome shame. And the most powerful way that we can overcome shame is having a listening and loving ear to be able to share what we're experiencing emotionally. And that's simply a word called empathy. When somebody shows you empathy, they're prepared to listen to the deepest, darkest parts of your life without passing judgment on you. And that's how we climb out of the hole of shame. And that's why, again, shame, which tries to disconnect us from people, to combat shame, we've got to go to people that we love and that we trust and begin to share that shame that we're experiencing to break its power over our lives. And so if I, if, if I look at that with Adam and Eve, let's look at this example as we finish this morning and go into breakout rooms. What did God do with Adam and Eve? He said, Adam, where are you? You're not at the appointment. Why are you hiding? He enters into a dialogue. He doesn't banish him immediately. He enters into a dialogue with Adam and Adam begins to talk and Adam has an on, on, honest conversation with God, relaying the events that led up to them hiding away from God. So God got them to come into the light and stop hiding. He got them to bring their story into the light and share what they had done. He became the listening ear. It didn't absolve them from the consequences. There'll always be consequences for sin. But it stopped them from being bound up in the closet, hiding from the rest of the world. So having a listening and empathetic ear is what helps us to help people climb out of the shame hole. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that shame thrives on secret keeping. And I, I had a few secrets that I kept for years prior to coming to Christ. I would tell nobody about them. You know, one of those secrets, I was living in, a, in an adulterous relationship and I had lied to my partner. I'd lied to her for two years about my age. And I was absolutely scared out of my mind that she would find my real birth date and I would hide all the evidence, passports, driver's licenses, everything else, so that she would never be able to know my true age. And so I actually made out to be for two years. I lived this lie because I felt that if she knew my true age, which was four years younger, that she would leave me. And that's the kind of thing. And every day it was a nightmare for me, making sure that she didn't get access to my true date of birth. I don't think I've ever actually shared that with anyone before. But 1 John 1, 6 says this, If we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't tell the truth and we don't experience the truth. And so shame will thrive in that, that cloak of darkness. And so we've got to bring into the light and uncover that shameful thing through a listening and a loving ear and break the power of shame over us. 
Think of the many examples as we're about to go into the breakout room of people who encountered Jesus, who had to experience vulnerability to get their miracle. They had to overcome their shameful circumstances to get their miracle. Think of the woman at the well, five times married, currently not married, living with another man. And Jesus engages her with a listening ear. Isn't that amazing? He gets her talking about her life and then he has a word of knowledge to reveal his Messiahship with her. And she encountered this conversation and shame was absolutely broken from her life. And how do we know that? Because when she left the conversation with Jesus, she went back to her hometown and she told everybody about this man who knew all about her, who loved her. And many came to the Lord because of this woman, of her having shame broken off her life and receiving the forgiveness and the love that Christ could bring her. Or I think of the woman with the menstrual problem. For 12 years, she'd been bleeding. And, you know, under the law, uh, under the law, uh, the Levit Levitical law, she was not to be in the company of any anyone else because she was um, issuing blood. And the problem for her was that she'd lived a life, a life of isolation. Can you imagine it? Isolation. We talk about being on the ark and isolated for 40 days, 40 nights. This woman, 12 years, 12, 365 days for 12 years, she had lived in isolation because of the shame that accompanied her condition. And one day, one day, she said to herself, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to push through the crowd and, and because I believe that Jesus can heal me. And she went out into the crowd with that overcoming that great fear that she'd be recognized and shunned and pushed away. And she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, overcoming that sense of shame and becoming vulnerable, and she received her miracle that day. So as we go into our breakout rooms this morning, here's a few discussion questions. You can take a snapshot with your phone. Um, and, uh, and here's some questions for you. Number one, can you share a time as a child when you experienced shame or vulnerability? You don't have to share that, but it may help in the context of your breakout room this morning to be able to share something and be open about that. Number two, can you relate to anyone in the Bible who was faced with shame and vulnerability and share that example from the scriptures with your group today? You don't have to go to chapter and verse, but just share the stories with one another. Answer the question this morning and get some discussion going in number three. Why is a healthy connection to others so important for our lives? Dial down on that. And just get some discussion going on that. And fourthly, share one thing from our time today that you would like to take action on this coming week. Mm -hmm.